0: Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. Hallelujah. We are bringing this uh, mini-series to a conclusion called Wisdom and Double-Mindedness. And uh, what I'd like to do, actually, is begin in verse 2. I know that's a ways back, but let me just start in verse 2 and read through to where we left off, which was in verse 6. It says there again, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but he says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect And complete, lacking nothing. Now remember again that this is all in relation. To all of the things he he mentioned before and notice how he ends it he says that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing and then he goes into verse 5 and says if any of you lacks wisdom so he says he wants you to lack nothing but just in case you're lacking wisdom he says let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him now something very interesting is going to happen at this point And that is the Apostle James is going to uh, 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 launch off of what he said in verse 5 into something he says in verses 6 through 8 that could be applied to any area of your life not just wisdom and i really need you to keep that in mind as we continue on because otherwise what you're going to what you're going to do is just apply this to wisdom and not anywhere else where this is one of those universal principles so we are going to be introduced to a universal principle in the next couple of verses that applies to all of your life and when we get to the end of this and we look at an example you'll see what i mean okay all right so again he says, uh, I want to read from verse (laughs) 5, okay? He says again, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Remember again with an open hand, all right? But now watch, verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. See, James is now switching to something that is tremendously important, that is crucial to our lifestyle, and that is he's saying, listen, when you ask in faith, you can't doubt. So this now is about faith. This is going to be about faith and something about faith that is very unique. He goes on to say, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. I'm going to read through to verse 8 and then go back to verse 6, okay? uh, Just so we can get this complete thought. He says in verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And then he says in verse 8, for he is a double-minded man. Woman unstable in all of his ways. Now he has he has introduced a principle here that is incredible. He is saying, listen, there is something about faith that requires you to be single-minded. It requires you not to be tossed about. It requires you to be stable. (laughs) Okay? All right. So having said all of that, let's go back to verse six. All right, now that you get sort of the idea of what is what is going on here. Uh, let's begin in verse 6 again. I, I dealt with this last time, uh, rushed through it a little bit, but I wanted to sort of pick up there and move forward because verse 6 forms the thought all the way through to verse 8, okay? So I said, I've, I said this to you before. I said regarding verse 6 when he says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the, the wind. I, I've said here, the person who doubts is as one who lives in inner conflict between trust and and distrust of God. So again, we're talking about now trusting God. We are talking about having faith, not doubting. Okay, it, And I've said here, it is a person who is constantly unsettled, frequently unstable, and always restless. <laughs> okay, did you get all of that? All right, let me read it to you again. All right, it's a person who is constantly unsettled, constantly unsettled, frequently unstable, and always restless. I could preach on each one of those. I don't want to right now because I want to move forward. In fact, in his commentary, Arkent Hughes goes as far as to say that the doubter is completely out of control. The da- see this is the reason why God can't help this person because he is he's completely out of control he is on a wild ride to nowhere okay this is a person that is just freaking out all the time and you know when you do that you are not going to help to anybody you're just freaking out God can't help you people can't help you all right added to this um Douglas Shamu also says he wants wisdom from God that is the reason why all right he says he wants wisdom from God one day and the wisdom of the world the next now I know I dealt with all of this before, but I want to remind you once again that this is where the problem lies. The problem lies, the double-mindedness, let me put it this way, is about you vacillating between God and the world. Wow. Did you get that? All right. One moment you want wisdom from God, the other moment you want wisdom from the world. And again, even though we're applying this to wisdom only, this applies to everything in your life. You can't live, you know, your life one way in the world and sort of, you know, be okay with. See, remember the Apostle Paul when he said, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, that you don't conform to this world. See, this is what this is all talking about. We, we must learn not to be conformed to the world. Now, yes, we listen to all the laws and we do all of that stuff. I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about when the world goes one way, you know, when the world says, well, there's no hope for you, you are going to die, and that's the end of it. And the Bible says, by his stripes you were healed. Listen to me now, okay? Doctors are great and everything, and we go, see, you know, it's, I don't have a problem with them. I've always said this before, if not for doctors, we'd all be dead, but... <laughs> All right? I thank God they're around. Praise God for them. But the thing is that there is a higher life. And, you know, as much as you, you know, receive help from them, there's going to come a time when, you know, they may not be able to help you. That's the reason why you need to develop your faith. Get to the place where you're not doubting so that you can begin to believe God for those things. When they say we can't do anything, then you need to know that there is a God who is a God of miracles, supernatural, impossible, that can help you and get you out. All right? Amen. Praise God. Anyway, that was not my sermon. Getting back to this, what I need you to understand is this is about trusting God. This is about wholeheartedly committing to God amen? And so that, that's why he goes on to say, now see, he's going to say, as long as, the, as long as people remain confused and directionless and out of control, all right, James is going to say now that this is, I know this, this whole thing is in a negative direction. I'll give you a happy positive ending, all right? <laughs> okay, so hang in there. So he get, that's why he goes and say in verse 7, he says, let not that man think, expect, or even begin to suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I added a few words in v- uh, verse 7 there, because that's why. The the um, new American Standard and the King James version adds in as well. I just want you to get this sort of uh, get a really good idea of what James is talking about here. Okay, and so again he says, understand something. If you're like you know a a wave that is tossed to and fro and you're not stable, then he's saying you know you can't expect to receive anything from God. In other words, he's saying, listen, can I switch it? All right. He's saying if you are stable, if you are single-minded then you can expect to receive everything from God, <laughs> all right? Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Okay, and he's you remember he's a pastor, and he's got all these little whiny Christians coming at him, you know, and saying, yeah, but what if, and, you know, all of that stuff. And remember I told you James is one of those, you know, do this, do that. He just says, you happy? Go sing praises. You know, you got a problem? Pray. Don't come to me. <laughs> okay, no, but you can't come to me, of course. But, you know, he's that sort of a pastor that sort of says, hey, listen, grow up. OK, and so he's, he's sort of warning these people and he's saying, listen, if you want to walk the life that God has planned for you, if you want to live the life God has planned for you, if you want to, you know, reach the destiny that God has for you, then you've got to be single minded. You can't be like this wave tossed to and fro and, you know, and, and think that you could be asking things and expect to receive stuff from God. He's saying, don't you he can't do anything because you're not in agreement. Amen. Okay, so that's why he says again. He says, So let not man, let not that man or woman think, expect, or begin, begin to suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord." In his commentary, Archon Hughes explained that the man, uh, th- that man, is a believer. Okay, he has reser- received eternal life. He is indwelt by the Spirit. Now, I really need you to catch this. All right, he has received eternal life. He is indwelt by the Spirit, but with all of that. His doubting, unstable, vacillating life means that he will get no wisdom to help handle his troubles. And can I add anything else from God? Because we are, I told you, we're going to see this and we need to look at this, not just from a point of wisdom, but anything. Anything that we ask of God, we can't vacillate. We need to be single-minded, amen, and single-hearted about this. And so you need to understand that you are saved. You are born again. You do have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That there is so much going for you right now, family, that you need to know that whatever the devil throws at you, it cannot stand up to what God has put on the inside of you. If only we believe. Amen. And that's why James is saying, stop being doubtful. Stop being like this ocean that's just vacillating backwards and forwards. He's saying you need to be stable. Let's, let's continue on because that's what he's going to bring out in just a minute. I need to read verse 8 because they're all a, it forms a single thought basically. He says he is a double minded man or a double minded woman, uh, restless, disengaged, and unstable in all of his or her ways. The, this is the sort of person that is restless, that is disengaged. You know, they, they're, not, they're not committed to anything. And you know, you all know the word disengaged, all right? When you engage with something, you lock into something. Idea, I'm thinking of this, you know, there's a certain kind of dog, I don't know what kind of dog it is, all the dog people know this, okay, that they, when they lock onto something, they don't let go. I mean, they'll die with it in their mouth, they just won't let go. And I think James is sort of trying to get that across to us, that once we lock onto something, don't let go. Don't vacillate. Don't, you know, kind of go, hmm, I think as soon as you do, you'll drop it out of your mouth. <laughs> right? In the Passion Translation, moving on before I get into any more trouble, in the Passion Translation, verses eight, 7 and 8 are combined to read this way. It says, when you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. I'm going to say it again. When you are half-hearted and wavering. Half-hearted. You're not fully committed to God. You are half-hearted, and you know your—that's your heart and your mind. Okay, you're half-hearted, and your mind is kind of going. Well, I'm not sure. Wavering. Okay. It's, he says here again. It leaves you unstable. It leaves you in a, in a very precarious position. I, I think I said that word right. All right, and he, it goes on to say, Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? He's saying you can't, you just, you know, God can't, you know, you need to stay still in order for him to pour out a blessing. You know, can you just imagine God trying to pour out a blessing and you move, (laughs) okay? And he goes, what what happened to him? He moved again, Lord, he's he's very unstable. And you go, okay, let's go and see if we can meet him where he is now. And so the Lord moves over here, try to bless you over here, and you move again. All right, so (laughs) let's move on. I've said here again, this translation is very revealing and highlights the importance of being focused and single-minded. With all this in mind now, let's go back and look at these verses a little, in a little bit more detail, all right? First of all, with regard to being double-minded, I want to give you some insights into this, all right? With, with, uh, with regard to being double-minded, John MacArthur says that it is the Greek expression that denotes having one's mind or soul divided between God and the world. Listen again, he says it denotes having one's mind or soul divided between God and the world. There is a division there, okay? There is an actual division there between God and the world. You need to get this. It's not kind of a merging of one into the other. There's an actual division there. There is God on one side, there's a world on the other side. This is the problem that God is having, that when you decide you want to go His way and you begin to commit, then all of His blessings begin to work, but then suddenly when you decide to jump over the fence to the other side, it's a whole other side. It, can't, it does not work anymore. Do you understand know what I'm trying to say? And so everything that, has be, that began on this side will just, we'll just shut down. And then, you know, and then we sort of think, oh, maybe I should just keep trusting God. You jump back to the other side, it's got to restart everything again. Are you all with me? So, you know, the, the reason is whatever God had planned, you know, let's just say you know, uh, let me just use an example, okay? You wanted something from the Lord, and you just believed by faith that you were going to receive it. You weren't going to do anything natural. You were going to believe God for it. And, of course, if there was something natural to do, you would have done it. But God just said, you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to get it to you, okay? So so you're standing there, and so he gets somebody moving and says, I want you to go give Rosh, that's me, okay? I want you to (laughs) give, say it's a Bible. I'm being very spiritual here, All right, Okay, just say, Rosh is waiting for a Bible, so I'm going to get you to go and hand him the hand in this Bible. So I'm waiting, and I'm sort of getting impatient. Remember, unstable? Okay, wave of the sea. Alright, I'm thinking, hmm, you know, maybe I should just go by my own. And so I leave that spot and go off. Remember I said I've got to go, to, you know, I've got to switch sides now. So I just think, maybe I should just do this on my own. And so I leave that spot and go off. And then, so the whoever was sent Sent to me Gets there and goes Where is he? <laughs> you know? And God's going. Well he should be there I told him to wait there Because he was coming And you're standing there going Well I don't know where he is I don't know what to do with this And you know And that blessing goes back And then the next time you go Wait wait God, No 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 I'll go back to where I was And God moves on that person They go You know what Lord The last time you told me There was, no, there was nobody there Maybe I'm not hearing you right Can you see how all of this Messes everything up And the poor person That's trying to listen to God Kind of all mixed up as well has that happened to you? Have I answered a question for you? Anyway, let's move on. This is what happens when you get double-minded Christians. You know, you try to bless them, and they're not there, okay? <laughs> all right. Uh, let, let's go on here again. So first of all, with regard to the uh, expression double-minded, remember again, it is the Greek expression that denotes having one's mind or soul divided between God and the world. This is where the half-heartedness and wavering comes from. Added to this, Douglas J. Moo says, and now he's got a fair bit to say here. Uh, Let me see if I can go at this uh, slow, okay? (laughs) He says, human dividedness. I want you to get this. He said, it's not dividing, okay? It's human. Human dividedness, being double-minded or double-souled, is the essence of the problem when it comes to living a sin-free life, is what he was saying in the background, all right? People tend to be like waves of the sea, tossed and driven one way and another, All right, this is James 1 6 again. He says, This divided condition manifests itself in speech alright, when the, when the same person utters both blessing and cursing, now James is going to deal with this in James chapter 3 verses 9 and 10, when we get there we'll talk about this, alright, but I want you to understand something, that the divided condition manifests itself in speech, let me just stop there for a second this is where you know, you sort of on one hand you're saying, I trust God, yes hallelujah I believe the Bible brother, I trust God, could you pray with me, yes and, and so I stand there, I pray with them and they're going, yes hallelujah, in the name of Jesus I believe, I receive, and then as soon as they get to the cop out they're going, yeah, but what if Pastor wasn't in faith and maybe I because I was just really just agreeing with him and I wasn't really believing anything and maybe I should maybe gonna go do something. Are you getting this? <clears throat> it manifests in your speech. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. And in one hand, you've said the right thing in church. You've prayed the right thing. You've stood in faith. As soon as you get out there and you, know, you start doubting or somebody says something and your speech turns. Wave of the sea. All right, suddenly it dips and suddenly you go, well, maybe I won't get it. See, right now, the devil can now use what you've said and say, listen, he's on one hand, he said yes, he, he believes and receives. On the other hand, he's saying, I don't think I'm going to get it. And we're in big trouble now. Unless you confess your sin, First John one nine. Okay, thank God for First John one nine. All right, if you confess your sin and say, "Sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I spoke in unbelief right now. I just cast it down and I and I just you know uh, commanded to die in Jesus name. Whatever. Okay, and just say, "Sorry, Lord, I just no. You know what? I'm I'm just I'm I'm going back to what we prayed. I'm reestablishing that prayer in my life, and I thank you, Lord, that you heard me the first time. All I want to do right now is not pray again. I just want to praise you and thank you for that answer." See, that that's fixed it now. All right, so <laughs> that's how it manifests in your speech, all right? So be careful what you say, because double-mindedness turns up all over the place. Okay, the next thing <clears throat> he goes on to say... Uh, where are we And in a different way When the Christian professes orthodox That is an established or accepted doctrine Okay, that's what we believe, alright But does not live an orthodox life One that is in line with God's will and God's word So he says one thing He says that he believes God He says that he's committed to God He says that, you know, he, he trusts the Bible And, you know, from Genesis to revolutions As one guy said <laughs> Okay, alright uh, well, It's revelation, alright But, you know, he just says how he believes all of this stuff but at you know at the same time he doesn't live it out Uh, when things start to go wrong you know his life doesn't preach the same thing his mouth does Amen? Okay, moving on. In response to this tendency toward dividedness, James, above above all, calls on his readers to progress toward Christian maturity. See, I told you, James is one of those people that says, grow up, okay? He's he's, he's pushing them, he is moving them toward uh, Christian maturity, toward what Wesley called Christian perfection. Listen, okay, it's not being perfect, all right? It is purity of intention. Purity of intentions. Your intentions are pure. Hallelujah. You know what I'm trying to say, okay? Dedicating all the life to God. Not just part of your life, but all of your life to God. Now, let me just say, what, what does that mean? When The first time I heard that, I thought, oh, dear God, that's living just a sinless life, okay? And uh, just never doing anything wrong. And nobody ever explained this to me, so I'm going to give you some revelation. Are you ready for this? I pray that this will bless you. Dedicating all of your life to God means that in every area of your life, if ever you miss it, if ever you do anything wrong, every don 't give yourself any excuses for anything in your life. you make sure that you go back to first John one nine if we confess or acknowledge our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness as long as the if is done. if we confess, if we acknowledge, it means that you need to understand that if there 's anything in your life that is wrong, if there 's anything that you know you do, and even if it 's a, it's a thing that is a You're trying to get rid of a habit. Okay, can I say that? Okay, something that just keeps cropping up in your life and you keep doing the wrong thing. Can I just say this? What this is talking about is that every single time it crops up, every single time you need to confess it, and every single time get rid of it out of your life. Don't ever allow it to stay there. Don't ever allow it to compromise your life. Don't ever allow it to be there and, you know, slowly start to, to, to I guess, erode away at your righteousness and erode away at your confidence in God and erode away at all your blessings and everything else. Do not let that happen. You need to take responsibility for it. You can't excuse yourself from it. You need to take responsibility for it and say, this is a sin. And you need to say, God, I am sorry. You need to confess that. I told you once again, this is not about living a perfect life. You aim towards that, okay? And the apostle John, in his the same apostle that wrote in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin and so on and so forth, he also said that, that we write these things to you that you sin not, But if you sin, okay, so this isn't a license to sin by any means. This is just in case you do those things, and even if you're struggling with something, just take responsibility for it, own it, and say, God, I'm sorry. And you just need to be really open about it. You need to be honest about it. You need to be transparent about it. Okay, don't try to hide anything from God because whatever you try to hide from God will cause you pain down the line and will, will cost you something down the line. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right? So once again, dedicating all the life to God, that's what I mean. All right? It means that you just take responsibility and you just confess whatever it is. I want to move on from this point. It is, it is giving God all our heart. It is one desire and design ruling all of our tempers. It is devoting not a part, but all Our soul, body, and substance to God. All of our soul, body, and substance to God. All right. In his commentary, Peter H. Davids explains if a person's mind is split and he or she really does not know whom to trust, well, listen to this, okay? One can hardly have confidence in such a person. Amen. Such a one is not just undecided, but in fact unstable. Remember, he's unstable in all of his ways. All right? All right. Now indeed, he or she may trust in God and be a part of the church, but with a heart filled with doubt. So on one hand, you're trusting God, and you know, you're sort of saying, yes, I do trust God. But you know, when, if, you were, if we were to look deep into that person's heart, there's just no trust. There's no, they're constantly in doubt. Alright, and you know, this is where it's, it, it's very um, confusing to people that, you know, somebody says, well, I trust God, and then something happens, and something bad happens, and they think, but they trusted God, they said they trusted God. How come, you know, this happened to them? You don't know what's in a person's heart. All you can do is go by what they say. Do you understand? Alright? That's why we need to have faith in God that God will always look after people. If they do the right thing, God will look after it. But let me also say this. We live in a fallen world. There is a devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And God did say that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So even if you're a good person, if you're a righteous person, you know, because you don't know enough about the Word of God, you don't know how to apply the principles in here. Somebody hasn't been teaching you these things. Well, you know, okay, it may be that you know people like that perish because of a lack of knowledge, not because they've done anything wrong. They just didn't know okay so let me let me just leave that with you as well all right let's just move on again and now indeed again it says he may trust in god and be part of the church but with a heart of heart filled with doubt this person is emotionally keeping options open and other lines of support clear <laughs> okay there is a basic instability within that will eventually become evident in behavior the implied call is for commitment the implied call, this is what James is saying, okay, the implied call is for commitment. I, I really love this. He basically says, put all your eggs in one basket and make that basket God. <laughs> I love that. Amen. All right, the world is saying, don't put all the eggs in one basket. James is saying, put them all in one basket and make it God. Not man, but God. Amen. And uh, that's what that's precisely what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in Daniel chapter 3. Remember again, I said to you that this was a universal principle that James is bringing out. And uh, I just love this. Uh, we see this so clearly in this particular event or incident that is brought out here. Uh, they trusted God with their lives and wouldn't bow down to compromise. This, this incident clearly shows single-mindedness. And absolutely no vacillating or divide loyalties when it comes to trusting and relying on God and His word. Listen, all right, let me begin reading in verse one. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it saves me from explaining things to you, all right? (laughs) Okay. It says again, Daniel 3:1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide. That's a huge statue, all right? And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Verse two. Then he sent uh, messages to the princes, prefects, governors, advisors, counselors, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. When all of these officials had arrived and were standing before the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, verse 4, a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Verse 5, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and a whole lot of other instruments, he says, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. All right, that's the the command. All right, verse 6. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Wow. (laughs) These are steep consequences. This is not a fine. This is you get thrown in the furnace. Okay? Verse 7. So at the sound of the uh, musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or national language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the statue that uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Of course, there's three boys, or three men, I don't know whether boys or men, okay, (laughs) all right, that didn't do it, all right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just refused to worship this statue, and so it goes in the same verse, and I'm going to read through to verse 18. He says, but some of the astrologers, watch who's who's doing this, writing them out. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. Verse 9, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Verse 10, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. Verse 11, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. And the king's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, said all of that, yep. Verse 12, but there are some Jews. King's stop nodding, he's looking, he goes, what? All right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. Now watch, they're in a very high position here. They have defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. And you are you getting the, okay, getting this? All right. Verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar did not take this well. All right, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. Like, what? Okay, all right, and ordered Shadrach, Mesha, and Abednego to be brought before him. Okay, can I add the word immediately? All right. When they were brought in. Uh, Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar said to them, I want to call him Nebi, all right? Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I like that he asked the question, all right? Verse 15, he says, I will give you one more chance. This is when you get your faith really tested. Are you single-minded or not? Okay, He says, if you bow down and worship the, the statue I have, I have made, when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, all will be well. He said. I'm giving you an ultimatum now. All right, And he says, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. What God will be able to rescue from my power then? I want you to notice, he says, from my power then, okay? Verse 16. God, these guys are incredible. Shashai, <laughs> Michael and Abednego replied. Now they're all replying in unison, all right? He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Ooh, don't say stuff like that. Verse 17. If we are thr- thrown into the burning f- uh, furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Remember he said, He said, I will save you. And he said, no, our God will save us from you. Okay, whatever you want to do. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't, I love this. You know, they are believing God to the end but they, even if they even if he doesn't do you know why they said that they're saying listen we are not going to change our mind if we're halfway in and nothing's happened we're not going to say oh hang on a second god maybe we <laughs> maybe we change our mind can we change that okay they're saying we are not going to say anything other than what we've just said we are not going to believe anything other than what we've said we believe are you getting this that's the reason why they left themselves no out <laughs> Do you do the same thing or not? Anyway, he says, but even if he doesn't, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. This is being single minded, family. All right, there's not even a hint of compromise here, is there? Amen? Or them asking God, (laughs) I had to write this down, to give them a temporary pass just this once, since, you know, uh, now things are becoming really serious. And it would be much better, Lord, for you to have living, compromising worshippers than dead, committed ones. <laughs> Amen. Hello. If you're laughing, good. All right. No, as far as they were concerned, they had dedicated all their soul, body, and substance to God. Remember that? They were not about to back down now or change their minds in any way. That's why I said, regardless, we're not saying anything different. We're going to go ahead. So it goes and say, verses 19 through 27... Nebuchadnezzar was so furious. now he's, oh, he's so mad, okay, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Boy, he's really mad, right? And, you know, his anger is being reflected in the furnace, okay? Verse 20, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these are tough guys, man. I mean, they made sure that these kids would, or these men would not be able to free themselves. This is important, okay? Some of his strongest men to bind them and then throw them in, okay? Verse 21, so they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. Now, I want you to notice something that is conspicuous by its absence. Not once did either of the three try to say anything to stop this from happening. They didn't say a word. They just had put all, I I said this again before, they put all their eggs in one basket and they were fully expecting God to come through. That's how they were. And so it goes in to say, verse 22, And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. I mean, the soldiers that were throwing them in died. Okay, All right, so Shadrach, it's a miracle in itself that it didn't say all of them died at the same time. Because it should have. I mean, if the, the guy throwing you in dies, then you die too. I mean, you're even closer to it than they are. All right, so that's a miracle in itself. Verse 23. (laughs) So Shadrach, Mish, and Abednego, securely tied, fell down into the roaring flames. Verse 24. But suddenly, as he was watching, I love this. Listen, watch this. Suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement. (laughs) Okay, I really want you to get that. All right, And (laughs) and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? All right? And they said, yes, mm-hmm, we did indeed, your majesty. And verse 35, he says, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames. Watch this now. Remember, they were bound by strong men, and now they're free. And they're walking around in the flame, and that's not way it ends. And he says in the fourth, looks like, one, one translation says the divine being, another one says the son of God. I don't care. It was something supernatural. Okay? And something miraculous going on. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Watch how his attitude is changing now. Servants of the Most High God. <laughs> okay, Not by this. What do you mean, your God? He's going, hmm, servants of the Most High God. He says, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped Out of the fire. Isn't that an amazing scene or amazing picture to see that they actually stepped out of the fire? I mean, they're looking at this and thinking, anything goes in, gets burned. They're just walking right through it. Wow. Verse 27. This is all because they were single-minded, single-minded and they refused to doubt. They refused to compromise. Verse 27. Then the princes, prefects, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Wow. What a, what a testimony, family. What an incredible testimony. And what happens next is extraordinary. And we're bringing this to a conclusion, okay? I know I'm I'm over time, but... And all because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to doubt, trusted in God with all their heart, and stayed single-minded again throughout this ordeal. It says in verses 28 through 30, watch. Then Nebuchadnezzar said... Praise, (laughs) from being mad, he's going to praise now. He says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Ooh, hallelujah. Therefore, verse 29... I make this decree. This is When they used to make a decree, it stood for all time. He said, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, I'm sure he's looking at those astrologers that, that ratted them out. Okay, speak a word. Okay, just imagine him looking at them. Okay, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be crushed into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And I'm sure the astrologers is going, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, won't hear anything more from us, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we get it. Okay? Verse thirty Then the king watch, watch. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Mesh, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Ho oh, oh, ho oh. ho he went from hating them, despising them, being mad at them because of their single-mindedness, because of their single-heartedness, because of their dedication to God. I told you this is what, why I said James verses chapter one verses six through eight switches a little bit there, and you need to catch this because of all of that they received everything from God, Amen, and they changed uh, they changed the heart and mind of a king, who set a decree that said nobody better talk bad of this their God ever. Wow. This is what single-mindedness looks like and the results it brings. That's why James tells us to be single-minded and learn to trust God completely regardless of the circumstances. And even though this began with James talking about asking for wisdom and not doubting, the principle of being single-minded and trusting God completely applies to every area of our lives, family. And we've, and we've just seen has tremendous rewards attached to it. I'd like to, re- I'd like to leave you with Psalm 18 and verse 30. It says, as for God, His way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all those, or for all, who look to Him for protection. Wasn't that true? Amen? amen let's have every head bowed every eye closed father we thank you today for your word and i just thank you father right now that this verse helps each and every person that is out there that god you are a shield to them that you prove yourself true in all of in all of their lives whatever they're believing for father right now whatever circumstance and situation that they're in right now that they receive they receive an assurance in their heart that god you will never let them down That the same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same God that is looking after them right now. There's no difference. Hallelujah. We just need to be as committed as those three men were in our faith. We need to be single-minded so that we can allow you, God, to show yourself big in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.